Hi there, and welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm Liam Geraghty. One in four US adults suffer from a disability. Globally, about one billion people. And that doesn't even include people who can't or won't go to the doctor. That is a lot of people who need products to be more accessible. Kat Noon is CEO of Stark, a company on a mission to make the world's software more accessible. It does this through Stark's integrated suite of tools, which allow you to make changes and updates to your existing components to ensure your design system meets current accessibility standards. You can also use it to check on user interface elements and code to ensure they're accessible too. And Kat says, contrary to what a lot of people think, businesses can achieve a high return of investment from paying attention to accessibility. On today's episode, Kat sat down to chat with me about how you make your teams aware of what they're missing when it comes to accessibility, how we need to rethink what goes into product testing, why you should build an internal accessibility team, and a lot more. Kat is just so passionate about this area and offers so many actionable insights. So without further ado, let's head over to Kat in studio. Kat, you're very welcome to the show. Before we get into it, could you give us a flavor of what your journey has been like to this point career-wise? I know you've always been interested in tech, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been quite the journey. I think that's the only way to describe it. But, you know, for me, I, I kind of took a, um, I guess, considered a non-traditional right. approach to how I got to now. And I think in hindsight, you know, if you would have asked me uh, over a decade ago whether or not uh, that would make sense, I'd say, you know, this is this is a ridiculous path. But it, <laughs> it ended up being so incredibly beneficial and playing a core role in, in my ability to see what I do now. And, and so um, for me, I mean, I went to school, you know, pursuing pediatric neurology. I wanted to, you know, end up in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd go on to end up in what's considered the special education, you know, for the, for the New York City Board of Education, special education space, working with children uh, with a spectrum of disabilities and disorders. And for what it's worth, I don't like the term special education mm. for many reasons, but that's, that's, you know, neither here nor there right now. Yeah. But still, all the while, you know, I had been designing since I was in high school and I loved it. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Uh, it set my soul on fire. And I think at one point I realized there was far more that technology was going to be able to do to advance these very archaic spaces. And I dove, you know, two feet first into, into design. And I, you know, fast forward and, you know, I, I did the freelance thing, which is a wild ride. I, um, <laughs> I worked at an agency, which is fun. <laughs> and uh, led, led iOS design for IAM, which was an Instagram competitor at the time. Led design as a whole for ADP's Innovation Labs. And then dove into the world of startups, you know, and and, and co-founding my own. And uh, yeah, I mean, at one point I was working on a, a health tech project and, uh, you know, it needed to be accessible for older adults, that which was the target group. And it was just like, you know, there's there no solution for it. There was right. no easy to use, delightful, beautiful solution for accessibility in design specifically. And so we said, let's just build, you know, let's build something just so we could do our job right. And, and, uh, you know, that would, we call it version negative 500 of what Stark would become. But yeah, I think that was, that's a, that's a, you know, Cliff Notes version of, you know, how I got to now. So like, you know, like you say, you know, Stark is on this mission to make the world software accessible. Was there like, you know, a particular spark that was born out of, or was it just like, as you say there, you know, this, this overall kind of picture, but, or, you know, where, where did the idea come from? 
Yeah, I think for us, it was very much so self-serving. And I I both love and hate to say that it was self-serving. And we needed we needed the solution so we could do our jobs right. And, you know, we built it and then we shared it. Um, you know, we did our we did our research. We worked, you know, with with folks to understand what was needed in order to create a really great solution for ourselves. And from there, did so. And then we said, well, if this is meant to be accessible, then it should be, you know, everyone should be able to access it. And so we shared it, and it, it snowballed, and it continued to snowball. And we said, well, you know, we had this thesis once we once we really saw that it was continuing. We're like, hmm, what's going on here? <laughs> and we poked and prodded, and we said, well, the easiest way to, you know, quote unquote, easiest, right? It's all relative. Yeah. <laughs> um, the easiest way to validate what we're thinking is, you know, let's build a community. There's no place for people to go to for this topic. There's no place to get together and be supercharged as, you know, these change makers you know, working in organizations, these designers and engineers and product managers. And so we did, we created that all the while creating the, you know, the tools for them to be able to do this work. But for us, you know, we said, why is it that there is no solution for this? Mm. Why, you know, why is it that there's nothing that is, you know, human and friendly and bold and opinionated? Why is it that that accessibility is not in line with how software is being built in 2022, right? Or, sure. you know, at the time it was, at the time it was you, know, you know, some years back, but, you know, forward thinking, like, why aren't we building software for the future in the accessibility space? And I, it's, not a, it's not a small number either, you know, right? Like, you know, it's, it's one thing if you're like, oh, you know, you're servicing a, a community of like 100 people. But no, we're, we're working with like billions of people that have a disability. Why? What's missing there? And I think that's what gnawed at us. It's like, there's something, this isn't a small number. You know, the tech industry loves big numbers. We're working mm. with big numbers here. It's not an M, it's a B. You know, why isn't, why isn't <laughs> that the case? And, and it just really gnawed the, the shit out of us that, that, you know, so many people were being underserved and uh, left out of being able to tap into, you know, and access innovation, the world's latest innovation. Well, it's funny. Like, I, I mean, there's so many people out there who think that, you know, accessibility and product design is going to be like bad for profits, you know, somehow, no. but like it's, <laughs> but it's not. No, it's not. And I think that, you know, this is a conversation that we have often at the company. It's important for us to look at both the finance, you know, the business side of it, but it's really important for us to, to really focus on why we're doing it, which is the human side, right? Like we shouldn't have to justify the cost of uh, enabling disabled people to participate in, you know, non-disabled individuals world, right? And, sure. and access those same things. At the same time, the reality is that, you know, in a boardroom, that's the conversation that's being had, is how does this impact the currency, the flow of the currency in the company? And I think in general, um, you know, when we have discussions about capitalism, which we're, we're not going to dive into that right now, but when we have <laughs> those conversations, you know, that's, that's what's happening. How does this, you know, return profit for the company? And so it's a dual strategy. It's, you know, mm. on the one hand, the individuals that are working on the software, you know, we create materials so they understand why they're doing it and the people behind it and, you know, who they're designing and building the software for. And then, you know, for the individuals in the boardroom, it's a conversation around, you know, as, as we all know, as designers and engineers, you have to justify the reason why you're doing something. You have to prove the impact that this will have. And, and for those, you know, at the top, it's money. And so for us, we said, let's create that material. Let's, let's gather that data to show like, here's the, the actual numbers. And, and, mm. and now that's changed. We've moved from a lack of awareness to awareness and, and now into action. But, you know, this takes time. And companies realize now how much this is actually costing them by being inaccessible at the same time it, they're realizing oh you know if we ensure our products are accessible we increase market reach we increase brand value 
we increase with that, you know, return on investment. Um, yeah. And we're going to be we're going to be shipping quicker. We're going to be shipping more efficiently. Uh, we're going to create a more delightful product. Right? There's this accessibility is a proxy for user experience, and so when we think of it like that, we mm. know immediately that it's not at odds with beauty. If anything, you creating an accessible product is you getting closer to that that lovely list of like Dieterham's good design that yeah. everybody in the industry preaches, right? So, you know, that, that's that's how we approach it. And, and I'm glad that's how folks now are seeing it. It's interesting that like, you know, something like diversity and inclusion, you know, was initially seen by businesses as this, you know, big headache that they had to deal with, you know, mm-hmm. when in, in actual fact, apart from just being common sense, you know, like we were saying, there's, you know, evidence that company diversity leads to better profits. And so businesses have finally realized this. Mm-hmm. When do you think that realization will fully kick in for accessibility? <laughs> realization in terms of that return on investment or the impact that's being had by it? And the impact. Yeah, I think we have some years. I think we have some years to go realistically. And I think that's a, that's a good thing. I realistically, I wish things happened, you know, much quicker, but I think that in general about anything regarding design and engineering, you know, we look at how long something takes us to ship or to build and we see how much in an organization happens in a year, right? And then we look right. at how much needs to be rectified in terms of retrofitting. And so for us, you know, with what we're building, we said, you know, the things that would take you a year, things that, you know, I mean, you have you have these organizations that have been building technology for 10, 15 years, and you're asking them now to retrofit it, and they realize they need to retrofit it. That is not going to happen quickly. <laughs> you know, there's, it's not just, oh, let's redesign something or, oh, let's create a design system. You're doing, you actually need to create a cultural shift. And we saw that, and we see that um, in general with companies like Microsoft that have taken over the course of the last five to seven years, have taken such a cultural shift. And we see that in the way the products are being built and how beautiful they are. But, you know, Microsoft, I think we saw, you know, just rolled out, not not too many years ago, just rolled out their design system. Microsoft design system just yeah. rolled out, right? Wow. And and think about across, you know, how many, how many pieces of software they have. It'll take time for that to roll out in full, at least from, you know, from my understanding. And that's a beautiful thing, right? It, it needs to be done in an efficient way. With that, though, we forget that resource allocation plays a large role in that. And resource allocation is, you know, individuals and, you know, whatever other, other resources are needed. And that, mm-hmm. that is time and time is money. And, you know, what does that convert to? So these are all the things that are happening at, you know, the executive and, and board level. And so to say, oh, yeah, well, this will, you know, the, the realization and the, the mass impact will be realized in a year. I think we're kidding ourselves, right? This is going to mm-hmm. take, we're going to see this evolve the way we have over the last couple of years, we're going to see this evolve over the next uh, several years. And then it becomes, I think the way we look at it is it becomes a, you know, we consider it, uh, I think everyone says table stakes or whatnot, but Mm. accessibility in general, and this is, you know, core to Stark, it becomes a category that is this like natural installation. Yeah. Well, like, I, I mean, for teams that are, you know, designing products, working on, uh, on products, like, what are they not understanding about accessibility at the minute? In general, I think uh, resource allocation, you know, what needs to be done in full. I think we look at the standards that exist and uh, a number of individuals say, well, you know, where do I fall and which one do we need to adhere to and what country does that apply to and what country does it not, right? Like, there's so many things that come down to just 
what needs to be executed on. And then in the, the day-to-day work is, well, you know, um, the, the nitty gritty of the regulations of like, oh, well, I don't understand what this means. And, and mm. how does that apply to, you know, the UI that I created for mobile versus web versus whatever? Because so far standards are focused predominantly on web. Right. And that ignores the reality of, you know, what does it look like for technology that hasn't even been conceptualized yet? And so for us, we said, you know, Stark helps companies like supercharge that accessibility from months to minutes with this simple end-to-end workflow. And and we said, let's connect people with the, the tools that they use and love and offer this automated intelligent analysis and provide these seamless fixes. All this, like at the same time, though, tapping into that community, giving the community the educational material and resources in order to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it and how mm. that maps to their day to day. And that could be anything from a code snippet to, you know, how to, as silly as it may sound, how to create an accessible form. Mm. You know, so, so I think, yeah, it's, it's all these individual elements and each individual element has its own requirements for accessibility. So for people listening in, you know, want to get their teams on board for accessibility, it's kind of awareness and training. Yeah, very much so. The very much so. And that's anything yeah. that we do, right? Like you, we look at um, organizations that had to do the same thing for privacy and security yeah. and data. Data. It's, it's all part of, you know, we consider it the, you know, the company's internal PSA, privacy, security, accessibility. There are these core things that need to be adhered to. They need to be, you know, standardized. They need to, you know, you need to go from awareness to, you know, education. And, and it, it, it takes time. It takes time. The testing, I suppose, is another big area where products are involved. And, you know, you've written about how we need to rethink testing. Why? Testing in terms of that in general can be broken down. But for companies, uh, well, in particular, let's, let's call it the product team, you know, and whatnot. Yeah. Testing is part of this, you know, what we consider a safety net. And I think often we don't have these processes in place. You know, we have companies have so many processes to the point where they're over-engineered and a lot of them remove the safety nets that ensure a smooth handover from designers to engineers, engineers to customer research after that, QA after that. So for us, the way we look at testing is just another part of that like brick that overlays mm. on the foundation accessibility. And we look at accessibility as this foundation that runs along the entire product development pipeline. I think generally we, for a long time in the industry, looked at it as like an engineer's problem, but it starts at design and it runs along. It's not a single discipline problem. It's an entire product development pipeline problem. And so that can span to even marketing and comms. You know, how are those words, like how are the, you know, the way we are addressing these issues and educating people, how are those, how are those things performing? You know, or is it resonating or is it, is it converting to people, you know, sharing things in the community or shipping products that actually are performing well and, and gaining results from them? People can access it. So these are all different ways that we look at uh, testing. You know, there's no cookie cutter approach. Every organization sure. has their own flavor of, you know, the entire product development pipeline process. So it's, it's hard to to nail it down into like one thing. But that's why for us, we said we need to create Stark in a way that enables teams to Lego block it into their workflow in a way that makes sense for them. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, even when I think about like Intercom, we had our own kind of an, an example that springs to mind was our Intercom messenger notification sound and mm-hmm. a customer with autism got in touch with us to say that the sound triggered her sensory overload. And this is just something that like, 
nobody, you know, building had thought of or, you know, considered or anything. So once we found out that, you know, that this user was having this issue, then we kind of worked with her to kind of you know, come up with a, a kind of a suite of of new sounds that, you know, people could choose. But without right. her getting in touch, we wouldn't have known. Right. And that's the thing, you know, so, you know, on that same topic, you know, the autistic woman that you spoke with, I'm sure would have would have absolutely been keen, especially as a as an intercom user, keen to be part of a testing group that helped y'all throughout the process. And I think there's a lot of stigma. I think there's a lot of taboo. I think there's a lot of shame that comes with this. And so people are afraid mm-hmm. to ask questions. People, for some reason, um, you know, we need to get, we need to get to the point where we understand that disabled people are human beings. Mm-hmm. They're human beings that, that, that want to actively participate in the same things that anybody else does and, and should be enabled to do so. And so when we think about testing, you know, there's a number of organizations that we, we know of and we've talked to and, and talked out of creating, you know, research and, and testing by like emulating disability. I can't emulate what it means to be an autistic person, mm. but I certainly can create a group of interviewees for research that is a spectrum of individuals and a mm-hmm. spectrum of abilities and disabilities to involve them in that. And, and what, that, what happens there is if you do that ahead of time, you're saving yourself down the line from needing to retrofit. And remember, that's part of that safety net. If, if you do it right at the beginning, you don't have to go back and fix, and that's time. And then you get into the position where you're like, oh, well, how does this fit in line with our roadmap? And it's like, no, 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 it needs to be fixed because you did it wrong the first time. Yeah. You fix what, fix what you broke. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, I know, you, you know, I, I read something you'd said before about on this where like that it would be a good idea to create like an internal accessibility team, right? Like, so that basically mm-hmm. because in-house, they're already going to be invested, you know, in the product and, and want to kind of help make it great. Yeah, I mean, in general, when we when we look at organizations, I think having these individuals in the organization that really hone in on accessibility and ensure that things are being adhered to and things are being executed properly is super, super important. For us, though, we are major advocates of putting all individuals on a product team in positions of power to be able to understand what they're doing and why they're doing it. Because it may be that the designer... That's working on, you know, the new website is not a, you know, accessibility superhero, you know, by any standards of like an expert, if you will. But they do need to become an accessibility superhero in the in the company because they are working on the product that is being shipped to individuals. So how do you put them in positions of power? Well, you give them an accessibility toolbox, and it, it needs to be just educating the entire team. I mean, realistically, giving them a process and you know, tools that kind of help them, you know, train them, you know, on the job and help, help individuals learn as they go. That's something that, you know, Stark is actively working on. But yeah, very much so, I think, putting people in the organization in positions where accessibility is viewed in the same light as, you know, privacy or security, and you have these security experts, you have these privacy experts. Um, and it doesn't mean that, you know, the designers and engineers aren't educated on it. You know, mm-hmm. they're designing things and accounting for GDPR and whatnot when they're going along. But you have these individuals that are making sure everyone is being held accountable and is up to spec with the latest and greatest out there. In terms of budget, should businesses like allocate an accessibility budget alongside the product roadmap? Yeah, I mean, I think in general, I'm torn on this. I don't know if I necessarily have a strong opinion. And that's because Mm. it kind of goes back to the fact that every company has its own flavor. We've seen companies have their own accessibility budget. We've seen companies put this directly under product budget. We've seen 
the product and, you know, um, inclusion slash DEI slash accessibility come together and form a budget there. So there's different ways. I think it really depends on the size of the organization. The, I mean, just and by size of the organization, I mean, you know, quite literally size of company, mm-hmm. but also, you know, how much do they have, uh, you know, how many assets do they have under management, right? Like, what, what's the what's the number they're working with in terms of budgets for each section? But yeah, I mean, I think whatever way ensures them it doesn't get deprioritized is the, the most important. And so if, you know, privacy has its own, if security has its own, you know, naturally as a natural um, part of that process, accessibility should have its own. And maybe that's, maybe that's a separate, maybe that's a separate budget from specific product and what gets done with accessibility there. I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. sure. It's a good question. I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't landed on a solution to it yet. And that's because mm-hmm. again, different flavor. Just before we continue with today's episode, I wanted to let you know about Offscript. It's a new series of candid conversations with intercom leadership all about the extraordinary AI-driven transformation we're currently experiencing. Episode 1 is on our YouTube channel right now. Here's a teaser of what you can expect. I don't want to come across as overly dramatic, but for every single tech company, this is an adapt-or-die moment. It's inevitable that... All businesses are going to go AI first. It's just a matter of time. In this post-AI world, new companies will rise, old companies will fall. Of course, some of these new companies will flame out. Some old companies will pivot successfully too. I don't think any of us could see a world where this wasn't going to be one of the biggest changes in the customer service landscape ever. The world we care about is customer service. And it's so patently obvious that the old way will be quickly obsolete. We're racing hard to build a future which will result in better experiences and results for customers and businesses too. It's not just a product change, it's a mindset change. Let's make space to talk about all of this. We have so much we want to share. We want to explore these ideas in the open. We want to provoke new ones in you. We want to learn from your reaction. You just click the kind of like big stupid go button, right, and see what happens. Welcome to Offscript. That's all to come on Offscript. The first episode is out now. You can watch it on Intercom's YouTube channel and we'll bring you audio versions of the episodes right here. Now, back to today's episode. We kind of spoke to this earlier on, but I was just going to ask, you know, from your point of view, where does accessibility stand as of right now? Oh, um, (laughs) to be honest, (laughs) to be honest, I think it's easy to look at, you know, what's going to happen right now is you're going to see as as the conversation starts to stir even more, um, and as it becomes this relevant topic, you're going to start to see all the bad kind of surface. Um, mm-hmm. And I think at that point, you know, we're already seeing it, that it, it's easy to say, oh, you know, everybody's doing, you know, nobody's, nobody's accessible. And I mean, largely, yes, that's correct. And that's because a lot of companies didn't realize until recently that they weren't, right? Yeah. And, and so we're going to see that, but we're in a really good place. We're in a really, the conversation is being had. Companies are trying to figure out how this makes sense for them. And I think because of that, we consider it a win. You know, when you look at two, three years ago, you know, accessibility, it wasn't a foreign thing in terms of, you know, didn't exist on the internet, but it didn't exist in the minds of majority of companies, right? There wasn't mm. a massive mind share there yet. And we're now at that point where the actual snowball for the industry in general is rolling. Right. And it's picking up speed. And so we consider that a massive win, especially when you look at how quickly that happened in just some years. And uh, things compound, 
in that regard, especially when it comes to products, things compound in negative deviances, but they also compound in positive deviances. And I think when we bake it into the system, right? Culture is the habits of the system, both good and bad. Now that these companies are learning and educating themselves, it's just a matter of actual time. And so I'd say I consider it a win. I consider us to be in a really good position. System change is hard. Bottom line. It's just like, like you have to establish a reason you know, why the system should abate mm. itself. And yep. it needs to be a win for both parties. That's, that's from the beginning of humans. We're not going to change that, my friends. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but the system is abating itself. They see, everyone sees the win for both sides, for both parties. And like, when that happens, like two thumbs up, massive claps, massive shouts. And we just got to keep going with it. Yeah. Then just what's next? Do you have any kind of big plans or projects for the rest of the year? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got something. We got a major announcement coming out in a few hours. And yeah, today's it. And then uh, we have this beautiful, uh, you know, new revised, let's say, heartbeat in terms of cadence of the company where, you know, we're shipping new things every week and then we're announcing it every two weeks and it feels really good and healthy. Great. And so, yeah, in, in two weeks, there's something new. And then two weeks after that, there's some big stuff. Um, but I think, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, keep but, your eyes uh, there's, peeled. There's, there's, yeah, there's a few. There's been a few things in beta. You know, Mac has been in beta for for some time now, and and so uh, there's there's more coming on there. And I think in general, you're going to see um, for us put ourselves into that position where, like I said, we we help set these companies. You know, we become this like platform for the generation Slack and beyond, and show people how software should be built in in 2022. And and I think in general, give this uh, unique approach to how we tackle accessibility. Right, meet people where they are, give them this this platform, and and I think uh, you know bring accessibility into the you know future of technology, and and I think that you'll see the things that we release kind of scaffold on that yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, no, it's brilliant. And then just lastly, where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your work to keep oh. track of all this? Jeez, um, so I think for Stark, you can the, the we're always chattering in the actual Stark Slack community. It's a beautiful community of designers and engineers and product people in general. You can find that on our website. You can also check us out on almost every social media platform, in particular Twitter. The website is getstark.co, but Twitter is getstarkco. I mean, if, it, if it's not the actual Stark profile, you see uh, you see all of the, the team members chattering. We, we very much so are people of our craft and are always talking shop. So, you know, you'll find us somewhere. Awesome. Cool. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll get all the links and put them in the show notes. Kat, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thanks for having me and thanks for, for putting, a, putting a spotlight on accessibility. It's always good. You know, we're huge fans of Intercom. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kat Noon. If you'd like to read a full transcript of this episode or any of our episodes, just go to intercom.com forward slash blog forward slash podcasts. The link is in the show notes. And the show notes is also where you'll find the link for the episode I mentioned earlier about the intercom messenger notification sound. It tells the whole story of a customer with autism getting in touch to give feedback on the notification sound and what went into changing it. It's a really interesting story and a good example of why we all should be mindful of accessibility. Okay, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. This is Inside Intercom.